coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Over 30% of this podcast was made in the Unity engine. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellis, joined as always by my co-host Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week and what we've been playing, including Stardew Valley and The Secret of Mana. And on Thursday, we're going to be Frankensteining together a new Mario game from parts of our old favorites in the series. But first, Mark, how are you? Doing great. Doing great, you yeah, say. Yeah, there's a new Star Wars trailer out. There is a new Star Life Wars trailer out. Life is worth living for another few months. Yeah, or I mean, another few minutes at least. <laughs> uh, yeah, you think life is probably worth living until uh, the new Star Wars comes out. Yeah, December 18th or whatever. Then it's back to being No, 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 we'll just see how it goes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, that rolls us nicely into the weather report, I think. Unseasonably warm? I say with a question mark because maybe it's not that unseasonable. I don't remember the seasons. Um, We're experiencing something strange here by my house that uh, there are citrus trees around. People have like orange trees, lemon trees, whatever in their yards. And a lot of that fruit is falling to the ground and just rotting. Um, So there is like the sort of sickly sweet smell of rotting fruit outside. I don't love it. We're at this weird time where it's hot during the day, but cool in the mornings and cool at night. Yes. Is it that weird? It's weird to me. I don't know. I mean, it tracks. When there's no sun, it's not that hot. But is it weird to the people in the city of our guest weather? Mmm. Which is, of course, of course, Berlin, Germany. Big ups to our fans in Berlin. That's right, big ups. Uh, And apologies to any cities who have not received big ups. Well, it just, when is their guest weather? Patience, we patience, not- patience. Right, yes, of course, of course. Everyone will get their guest weather and their ups of varying sizes. At the time of this recording, it is 50 degrees Fahrenheit in Berlin. Looks like it's going to be rainy for the next few days and then uh, sunny into the week. Uh, well, that sounds pleasant. It sounds very nice. <laughs> All right, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. And this actually might go hand in hand with our debug, right? Uh, potentially. Okay, so I think... Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. see where you're going with this. So we recorded last week's episode on Sunday. Now, also, we sort of posted that episode later in the... We had some problems last week <laughs> with, with posting things on, in time and in, in the right order. But one of the things that we neglected to uh, cover because it happened in the space between recording and releasing is Stardew Valley got a release date last week, and it came out last week, and both Mark and I picked it up, and I know I, for one, have been playing Stardew Valley. I definitely picked it up because I'm a man of my word, and That's I right. promised that I would, despite feeling overwhelmed with Switch releases. I did not play any of it, though. I haven't even turned it on. Um, wow. so I'm re- Yeah, yeah. That's self-control. So I'm excited to hear uh, what it's like. Uh, I've been enjoying it quite a bit. Um, My very first experience with it, though, was negative. Um, I took it with me on the go. I was like, I'm going to play this. I was taking the bus to West Hollywood. 
Um, and I was like, I'm going to play this game on the bus. Um, and I got trapped in a menu that I couldn't get out of. Um, I was in, in the crafting menu and I had my inventory was full, but I crafted a piece of fence. And so I couldn't put down something to like pick up the piece of fence, but I also couldn't put down the piece of fence. So I just couldn't get out of my inventory. And I'm realizing now as I think about it, there is like a little trash icon. I could have thrown something away probably. But I, I'm sitting there on the bus, like squeezed next to some stranger, <laughs> like trying to figure this out and got frustrated enough with it that I couldn't get out of this menu. And then I just played Puyo Tetris for a while. Well, you're not the only person that I've heard a little bit frustrated by this game, although not for that reason. A uh, friend of the show, Anthony, big ups to mm-hmm. Anthony. Big ups. He was talking about how the beginning of the game is like not you're not directed at all. There's no real like telling you where to go mm-hmm. or what you should be doing, which uh is on the one hand exciting in theory, but can feel frustrating. I don't know. At the beginning of a game, I want a little bit of hand holding to like get me familiar with the systems before letting me go my way. You know. It didn't bother me at all because I had such experience with the original Harvest Moon on the Super NES um, that, like, my first thought was, okay, I need to... F- I You're given seeds at the beginning of the game, parsnip seeds. And I was like, okay, I'm going to till the soil. I'm going to clear some land, till the soil, and uh, put, the, put the seeds in there and water them, and then find a place to buy new seeds, um, and then just, like, meet people. And, like, through the course of doing that, you get new items and you know like the story of the game gradually unfolds to you um and all the other like subsystems sort of reveal themselves and it's cool that you get to like kind of make your own priorities right like um i'm still in the first season right now i assume that uh every every season is is 30 days like it, every season is a month um which is also how harvest moon was um and uh, I've I've been just like doing some some farming, some growing and selling of crops, and also some fishing. Um, but my goal right now is to save up for a chicken coop. And you know, no one, no character in the game is like you need to get a chicken coop next. I don't know if a chicken coop is gonna unlock things for me that just growing and selling vegetables doesn't. But I like having the sort of freedom to pursue that one goal. I don't know if it's going to you know, bite me in the butt later, but right now it feels fun. Well, the thing that's, I am, when I go into this game, what I'm trying to do is release myself from this idea of having to play it correctly. Yes. You know, and like having to, I don't know, like min-max Stardew Valley, <laughs> making the optimal decisions all the time. Because, again, my understanding is that it's fairly forgiving that you can't, like, really miss anything, like, super important. Right. Well, and, like, the game goes, the, 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 like, main thrust or, like, the first part of the game is, like, you playing three years on the farm. And then after that, you can just keep going. Um, And there are relationships that you can grow and things to build and whatever beyond that. Um, which is always going to be the more important part of the game than just like when your dad or grandpa or uncle or whoever it is comes back to the farm. Does it lend itself to like short gaming sessions? Uh, not for me, but I think that's because like when I start to, it's, you know, it's, it's all, you're developing your own farmland, right? So 
um, you're clearing out spaces and you're setting up crops and you're building relationships. Um, so for me, when I start to build something or develop something, I don't really want to set it down and like play the next day of the game later. I kind of want to just like get to that next day and make the next thing happen. Um, but I could see where theoretically it makes sense that you would play it um, in shorter bursts. I'm really so yeah, man. I'm I picked it up. I'm really excited to play it eventually. Um, I have been playing Golf Story. A little T- bit more of that. Tell me about that. I still haven't picked it up. Yeah, I don't really have much more to add than we talked about last week. It's really cute. Um, I uh, find myself like occasionally frustrated with the small uh, idiosyncrasies of it, mm-hmm. but of like the the golfiness of it or the role playing gameness of it. Uh, more on just like the technical and presentation side. Okay. Where sometimes I don't know, it's not as clear as I would like on what I'm, what the objective is, or it's not as clear as I would like on how certain systems work. Because, you know, I, in my opinion, somebody who doesn't play a lot of golf games, it's there are a lot of like options when you're going to hit the ball, and it becomes more there. More options are added the further you get into the game. Sure. And I'm not really sure how any of these work there's short tutorials for a couple of them but a lot of it is just like mark mitchell says no thank you (laughs) no you i don't need those tutorials the tutorials are built into the game like you don't have the option so it's you know like one of them is oh you can uh choose where you hit the ball from and there's like a little red indicator showing where you're hitting the ball then there are other systems where I'm like, I just don't know what this does. Right. Or how it's supposed to work. Like, am I doing it? I'm hitting the button, but am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And so, and like, there's Frisbee golf mm-hmm. is included. And like, the controls of that are just kind of like, take for me like too long to really figure out exactly yeah. what you're supposed to be doing. But to advance on the story, you have to do some of it. Uh, all of that said, it's the presentation is really nice. I haven't run into any game-breaking bugs. Apparently, a couple of people have. Mm. But especially for 15 bucks, I am having a ton of fun. Oh, which also the same should be said of Stardew Valley, 15 bucks. Um, what a good price point for a game on, on Switch. Um, have you been playing anything else this week, Mark? Well, we've both played... It was a question I knew the answer <laughs> to already. Some secret of mana? 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 Who knows, man? I, look, I played Magic the Gathering as a, as, as a wee lad, and we always said mana. Yeah. I, I, that's how I've always heard it, but... I don't know. Either way is fine, I guess. But uh, so, yes, Mark and I got together on Saturday, pulled out the old Super NES Classic, and uh, got to work on Secret of Mana. Um, And the early going of that game uh, was kind of a bummer, right? Yeah. So it took us a little bit to kind of like lock into the like that combat system of the game and just sort of like what options are available to you at the beginning of the game. Because it appears like a sort of hack and slash kind of, uh, you know, overhead action adventure game. But in reality, it's more like a turn-based combat game where you're just like freely roaming through combat at all times. Yeah, and even training our brains to not uh, consider it like linked to the past where Mm -hmm. you might find some secrets or you might, you should explore because there's going to be like treasure chests or something that's worth 
you know, walking or behind that castle to see what is up there. Because most of the time it's like, if the story isn't directing you there, then you, there's no real exploration. Yeah, that's right. Like when you enter a, a dungeon and there are three paths, two of them are going to be near immediate dead ends. And the other one is going to be the way that you're supposed to go. And it's not even like there's anything worth getting in those dead ends. It's just... It's just a weird little misdirect. So we've been playing in multiplayer, Mm -hmm. which is one of the big uh, features of Secret of Mana. And I'm constant. I never played it in multiplayer before, and I'm constantly surprised at how well it works. Yeah, Um, and it's it's also neat that there there are three characters on screen once you get the third character, Um, and so either player can freely switch between the character they are controlling and the one that is not being controlled at the moment. Um, and I think I probably did more like hot switching on, on the go, but you also did too. Like when we got into boss fights and like we would need someone a little bit more thoughtful on one of the other characters that like, I don't know, there's something really satisfying about being like, nope, the computer is going to run that guy for a little bit and I'm going to take over this other one. I don't know. It was cool. It's also really interesting, like diving into the systems a little bit, even just like mechanically how most of the game is controlled with two buttons. Yeah. You really only need, you know, like a D-pad and then the, uh, which one is that? The Y button and the B button. Yeah, Y and B, that's right. Yeah, like... Uh, even I guess the, A lets you run. Right, but for the most part, like even the way the menus are controlled where you're pushing down mm-hmm. on the D-pad to like go through that circle menu, whatever they call it. Yeah, that like ring menu. And... Man, there is so much to like level up yeah. in this game. Yeah, well, because you you get eight different weapons that all three of the characters can use, and at any point you can be leveling up their proficiency in those weapons. So just right there, there are eight weapons by three characters. That's twenty four different things to keep track of leveling up. They can be lo- Each one can be leveled up eight times, right? In Eventually, total. yeah. Um, and then two of the characters have magic and the magic is divided up into elements and each element levels up individually. And then the characters earn their own levels on top of that. So like at all times, you're like, wait a minute, what do I need, <laughs> what do I need to be working on right now? It, it, it's, it's, almost, it's almost like overload. It's nice to play it with someone um, so that we're like team keeping track of this stuff. We played a good eight hours of it or so, and I feel like we haven't made it that far. We haven't really progressed. Oh yeah, here's another thing about this game is they keep you in like the first area, like the first big area. And it's not even that big. Um, for so long, like th- probably five or six hours of our play session was just in this one area, and then eventually we moved to like Upland or something. Which is another place I look forward to spending too much time. <laughs> the whole thing could use, I feel like, an overworld map. Yeah. So you sure. have a little better uh, sense of where you are in relation to the world. Because, especially in that first area, I can't even remember what it's called or if it was given a name. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, there's the you know kingdom of Porto, or the village of Porto, the kingdom of Pandora was one. Uh, there's a haunted woods. I don't know what the greater name for that is. But like the connective tissue between those different areas all looks identical. Mm-hmm. And is populated by basically identical enemies as well. So I don't know. I feel like I, I want to get back to it. Yeah, it's fun. It's very like uh, 16-bit SNES era square. Yeah. From like the story with the uh, like technology being built out of magic. Oh, yeah. Always there's an empire building machines out of magic. Always, always, always. <laughs> the Moogles. Oh, Moogles. 
I forgot that there were Moogles in this Me game. Me too. It's a good time. I'm really enjoying it. All right, Mark. So that's what we've been playing this week. Um, let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. So today, October 10th, there is Tiny Barbarian DX is coming out on Switch. And this is one of those indies that I, I'm i kind of surprised is getting a physical release in addition oh, to... Oh, it is? Yeah, in addition to an eShop release, which uh, I believe that's the same as true of 88 Heroes, which mm-hmm. is also coming out today. Um, yeah, there, I, we tweeted about it on our Twitter I was yeah. trying to. I was going to call it. Going to call it a tweet channel. But that's yeah. not a thing. Remember to subscribe to our tweet channel <laughs> at Nincart Society. Um, and but there's kind of like a we tweeted about. There was an article written, and I think in GameIndustry.biz about kind of the gold rush of indie titles on the mm-hmm. Switch right now, where Switch indies are or indies on the Switch are overperforming, and so everybody is porting their indies to it It, because there's a surprising market for it and i think that's why we're seeing some of these like more i would say like niche physical releases is because they are selling yeah uh, yeah and i mean i think people like having boxes of stuff it's i feel like it's become less common right that even like your your playstation 4 games probably going to be on your on the disc on the drive there disc drive what (laughs) tweet channel tweet channel disc drive (laughs) i mean but you're right especially for these indie titles Mm. who you may you might own them on another system before another platform but yeah on the ps4 it's not like these indies have been getting a lot of physical release or like pc a lot of physical releases yeah either and i forget that everybody does not i mean mercifully not everybody's brain works like mine does and you know because i don't uh, I've gone completely digital on Switch, and I don't see the appeal mm-hmm. of picking up a game like this on in a physical release. But I can appreciate for somebody who does collect video games why it would be nice to have a game you would like in a something that feels more permanent. Yeah, well, and like think about all of the um, kind of like retro style games that have hit Kickstarter in the last like three or four years, where one of the rewards is like a box that looks you know like ukulele had um a box that looked like a nintendo 64 uh cartridge box or um you know like um mighty number nine had like an nes style box and even more recently like uh river city rampage yeah uh, is getting a physical release on switch and it has a reversible cover that the the regular side just looks like another switch box Mm -hmm. and the other side looks like a master system right where it's got that like white and blue uh, like grid yeah yeah, yeah. thing going on um so yeah so i definitely think there is an appeal there for collectors um and then on october 12th on thursday yono and the celestial elephants is coming out on the switch eShop, and this is a game that i know basically nothing about but it's your cute elephant. It looks very cute. Right. And so people are a little bit about excited about this one. Uh, there's a lot coming out on Thursday. We got 88 Heroes, Wolverblade. The Neo Geo game is King of Fighters 95. Neon Chrome, The Flame in the Flood, Square Boy versus Bullies, Arena Edition. And, you know, probably an indie game that 
will be announced on Wednesday and come out on Thursday or right, Friday. And make fools of us all. Yeah. Um, is this information right? So is 88 Heroes coming out on the eShop on Thursday, but physically on Tuesday? Oh, great. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> Look, we're just trying to keep track of the new releases. Also, I could have sworn that King of Fighters 95 already came out. Came out last week? No, like months ago. Are you sure that wasn't like King of Fighters 94 or King of Fighters 97 or, or one King of, of the Fighters other? 98? Yeah, like one of no. the other King of Fighters. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. <laughs> Why would I be sure of that? Uh, but this is one week where I don't know that there's anything that I'm super excited to pick up at this moment. So maybe it'll be a good week to finish up Golf Story and try to dive into Stardew Valley. Is Wolverblade that... Um uh, like hack and slash, uh, historical figures. One that was featured in the Nindy. Oh, uh, it might be. Uh, uh, presentation. I'm 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 gonna look it up because I think it is. It is that. It looks cool. I may be picking up Wolverblade. Um, but yeah, everything else, um, can just go away. <laughs> uh, Mark, let's get out of the new releases. <laughs> Now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, let's talk about trailers. Like and movie trailers. Yeah, movie trailers, TV trailers. We should probably steer away from video game trailers because that, that fair. comes dangerously close, to, which we are not allowed to no, do. No, absolutely not. Uh, so obviously this is on our minds because that new Star Wars trailer, Life is Worth Living Again. Um, do you get hyped up for trailers? I do. Yeah? I think trailers are super fun. A lot of times they're way better than the movie itself. Yeah, like the Watchmen trailer. Do you remember the Watchmen trailer? Yeah. Oh, man. They used that Smashing Pumpkin song, The Beginning is the End is the Beginning, or the end is the beginning is the end. I can't remember which one is which. It's not <laughs> a Smashing Pumpkins podcast. No, it's not. I do know a lot about the Smashing Pumpkins, and I would be good at that podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I remember that trailer being like moody and cool, and then, you know, I th thought the movie was dumb. But. I feel like trailers have... Oh yeah, absolutely. Watchmen sucks. Yeah. Uh, I feel like trailers have changed so drastically from when I was a kid. Yes. I feel like... It, I've always really liked Disney animated movies, and I liked them uh, growing up. And, you know, I, we, I didn't go see a lot of movies in theater as a kid. And so w when I would see a trailer for the next Disney movie would be on at the beginning of the VHS for the yeah, previous absolutely, one. Yeah. Or, like, a new release or, like, a re-release that came out. And that's when you would see it. I remember when we had dial-up internet and, you know, trying to stream the... Uh, Phantom Menace trailer trying to oh, stream man. like you know like any new movie trailer that'd be like postage size oh yeah and you wait hours for it to buffer yeah um, yeah well I remember also I mean let's let's stay on the, the Phantom Menace trailer for a second because that was one of the first like internet trailers that I remember being like something that I sought out um, and also I don't know how I knew this because the, the movie came out in 99 right so the trailer is probably out like either in 99 or, like, early 98. Um, so that's, like, way early days of the Internet. Um, but we knew that, like, the trailer was going to premiere during the, like, evening news or something. It was, like, a lot of times they would do it on Entertainment Tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was watching 
I was watching the news with uh, I, I tape recorded it, so I, I would have I would be able to watch it over and over again. Um, and uh, yeah, that trailer was awesome. Started with like Gungans coming out of the mist, um, and was just really cool. Yeah, I so I saw the first maybe like thirty seconds of that trailer over and over and over because while you're waiting for it to buffer, you can watch right what is already loaded. And so I, I could probably recite most of that trailer from memory. Yeah, sure. Um, I very recently um, I have liked the I liked the Atomic Blonde trailer a lot, um, but was bored by the movie. Yeah, that's a, another great example of like great trailer, bad movie. Yeah, maybe that's what this conversation is. It's a great trailer, bad, bad movie. We got Phantom Menace in there. We got Phantom Menace in there. We got Atomic Blonde, and what was our first example? Watchmen. Watchmen. Um, what about bad trailers? Are you ever do you ever see a trailer and you're like you go like woof. Like, I'm, I'm never going to watch that. Comedies, I feel like, fall under that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seems weird what, uh, like, a, a trailer um, production team thinks is funny about a comedy. Like, yeah, it, it, like what? I guess it's an impossible job, right? Like, how do you clip out, like, the funniest jokes from something and present that as representative of a whole movie it's also really interesting to me to watch speaking of bad trailers watch old trailers Mm -hmm. because trailers have become such slick like finely tuned uh well crafted like mini movies of their own like creating a movie trailer is its own industry yeah that like experts are drafted into and you know you look at old trailers and they were like three minutes long they had, or like they would feel endless, and they would have like they were. They tell you the characters' names and like what they do and where they're from. And, and it would have you know like uh, introductions of the characters, and then with a narrator, then like thirty seconds of a scene. Right. You know they're very different. I would I guess less sophisticated now than the trailers are now. Um, yeah. Well, certainly less like homogenized, right? Um, there was a little bit where HBO was advertising the, the new movies that they were getting by just showing like a 45. Oh, well, I guess we will never know how HBO was advertising movies that they were showing. We were accompanied today by uh, Kalnischer uh, Konservernen. Chatty crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Re- real, real chatty crowd. It happens, though. That means we're in the news. Our news of the week. Week, week, week. The North American Splatfest has been announced. Hooray. So last weekend, there was the European Splatfest, which was hanging toilet roll over or behind. Yeah, front seats or back seats. I don't know if, if we have. Have we heard the results of that yet? I mean, if the results aren't, hang it forward. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> that, that's that movie with Haley Joel Osment, right? Hang it forward. Yep, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and Helen uh, uh, Hunt. Uh, Helen Hunt and uh, uh, Kevin Spacey. K-Pax. Right? <laughs> no, no. He was not K-Pax in that movie. We don't know that for sure. Um, and then the Japanese Splatfest was Agility versus... Endurance. Endurance. I don't think we've heard the results of that one either. But North America is getting their Splatfest this weekend. And it kind of makes sense now why they decided to delay it a little bit. Because it starts on October the 13th and fittingly... Our theme is a little spooky. 
you choose between werewolves or vampires. The underworld theme. <laughs> um, yeah, also the October 13th is uh, a Friday, so it's Friday the 13th as well. Um, Mark, are you team werewolf or team vampire? I don't know. This is one where I don't really feel any stakes. It's a... Oh, Mark. <laughs> Come on. That wasn't on purpose. Come on. That wasn't on purpose. Um, I mean, you're right. There's no, like, silver bullet here for which one is going to be the obvious choice. <laughs> I liked it. Okay, good. Uh, I'm tempted to go werewolves. Okay, why? I... I- I I don't know. I I feel like uh vampires are uh played out. They're played out uh when we get werewolves really only in concert with vampires sometimes. Um there's never like a werewolf thing that you're watching where like a vampire shows up. That never happens, right? Right. <laughs> uh so yeah, I I'm 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 going to I'm going to pledge uh team werewolf right now. So I'm I think I'm leaning towards werewolf, although in my head I will be repping wolf man, like mm. wolf men and women, because I, I find those more interesting than werewolves, who I just don't find that interesting. Okay, tell me what you mean. <laughs> what, what's a wolf man or wolf woman? Well, okay, so like a werewolf, you're like a, a man or woman uh-huh. who you, at, on a full moon, transform. you transform into like a wolf, yes. right? You don't really retain any of your human characteristics mm-hmm, mm-hmm. versus a, like a classic universal wolf man i see I you see. know you are you're still a like uh you walk upright you're more humanoid i guess so but it wouldn't be weird for you to be wearing clothes i understand i feel like that's some werewolves are like that though i i think that's a uh using werewolf loosely I think mm, I personally mm, believe mm. that there's a difference between wolf man and werewolf. And where does lichen fit in all of this? Oh, uh, werewolf, right? I don't know, man. <laughs> You're inventing all of this stuff. I don't know. Inventing. Inventing. Wow. Um, so yeah, this Friday, October 13th. Spooky. Spooky. Amiibo Smart has been detailed for Super Mario Odyssey. Oh, we are so close to Super Mario Odyssey. Man. Can't wait. Uh, the wedding versions of Mario, Peach, and Bowser grant temporary invincibility, provide a life up heart, and show the locations of regional coins, respectively. Those are the coins that you use to buy stuff in uh, specific kingdoms. Right, and there's they're like different shapes mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. depending on the kingdom. And then several other Super Mario Brothers series Amiibo unlock other outfits for Mario. And all those outfits will be available through the normal course of play as well. Right. But you can just unlock them earlier with the with all, all kinds of Amiibo. And you can uh, look up that information if you're interested. The Nintendo World Championships were held last weekend in New York. The uh, world champion is Thomas Gonda. He's 21 years old and from Oakland, California. Reppin' Cali. <laughs> Um, to me, the funny... Did you watch any of this? Uh, just a little bit of y- it. Yeah, I just saw a little bit in some of the YouTube clips. It was like four hours long, yeah. and some of the uh, YouTube clips that people had posted, the funniest part to me was when they were challenged with doing Tetris, Yeah, and everybody was terrible at it. Really? Which makes sense, because they're a generation younger than us, so uh, so Tetris obviously is, uh, like, permeates throughout the world, like oxygen. I'm just... Puyo Tetris was is probably the best Switch game that is out right now. <laughs> but like old school traditional Tetris, mm-hmm. you know, people are, are aware of it, but probably haven't played that much. Sure. You can't uh, hold pieces, so you can't like swap them. 
You can't. Uh, you can do like a fast fall, but not like the immediate drop. The game has changed, man. So seeing some of some of their game boards was pretty hilarious. Um, kind of a bummer to not have any announcements really come out of uh, Nintendo World Championships. Yeah, I mean, we got this arm stuff, right? Yeah, and we'll get to that in a second. But I mean, it's it, that that's such a soft announcement. Um, it's just like Nintendo's getting together with like their fans, like throw them a bone, right? Yeah, it would have been cool. I mean, you know. Nowadays, you can't spit without hitting a Smash Brothers rumor. That's right. But it would have been a cool place for Smash Brothers to be announced. And remember to check out our Smash Brothers fantasy <laughs> draft from a couple weeks back. <laughs> and spit on it. Uh, speaking of ARMS, uh, ARMS version 3.2 got a trailer this week. And it teased an achievement-like badge system and an additional character. The new character appears to be an evil version of Springman. Yep, so they're just rolling out the... Uh, I like that it's not just like, here's another character, here's another um, level, right? That uh, they are introducing uh, new things that like affect the way the whole game works. Yeah, like the badge system. Mm-hmm. That seems like a cool addition. I, I don't know. I feel like... I know that Splatoon 2 has the benefit of having a whole other game that came before that they can, you know, like crib items and levels from that and just kind of iterate uh, at a faster pace than the arms team who's creating everything from scratch but i find i wish even though i'm not playing it this is this is slow for you it kind it feels slow to me and I, i i don't know if that's accurate and i know it's a fighter so it's not just like throwing in a new item yeah you know anything you have to add has to be uh, will greatly affect the game. Right. Well, and like, yeah, the difference between adding a gun in Splatoon and adding a character in, you know, that would be like adding a whole suite of guns and sub weapons and everything like that. Um, that like it, it changes the core makeup of the game. And the, there are only what ten characters in the game to begin with, so to add a new one like changes the whole lineup considerably. I'd be super interested to know like what the continuing audience for arms is yeah um are you still playing arms I, we would love to know about it oh you weren't talking i was to not me. asking you I was mark say, i never played arms <laughs> mark you would know that i wasn't talking to you because i put my hand up in your <laughs> face and pushed your head away from the microphone are you still playing arms <laughs> not really um but if someone is still playing arms i would love to hear about it um and what the community is like right now so if you could email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Hit would, us up on our Twitter channel. Yeah, hit us up on the Twitter channel, which is just at Nincart Society. And the Facebook page is Nintendo Cartridge Society. Um, I, I, seeing, every time I see, like, when Lola Pop was announced and um, now with this, like, evil Springman, um, I'm interested to, like, get back into it, uh, but never really so much that it's going to override um, playing something new. Um, so, you know, we were looking at the releases this week. It seems kind of light. Maybe I'll get back in arms. Well, and there has to be a dedicated fan base because comics publisher Dark Horse announced a series of arms-related graphic novels that are going to be coming, like, fall 2018. Mm-hmm. And this really took me by surprise. Yeah, this was an, an announcement coming out of New York Comic Con. Um, 
Yeah, it. I mean, we there there isn't too much in the way of uh, story or like active lore in um, in Arms. Like, there's a lot of sort of background stuff, um, and Nintendo has been saying like more will come. And I guess this is the form that that's taking is um, a graphic novel. Um, it's weird. I, I expect it to be like uh, you know an an anime or a manga or something. Yeah, I think I'm surprised that it's coming from Dark Horse. That it's like Western focused and yeah. not something that's originating from Japan. Because I think there's like Splatoon two cartoons or manga that is. Yeah, it's like it's like a motion comic. I think. Is, yeah, is the show. but yeah. that is something that originated in Japan, and then I think some of it has been localized for the West. But for this to be coming from Dark Horse is interesting to me. I mean, I guess, honestly, it doesn't take tons of sales for a comic book to be considered successful yeah. anymore, mm-hmm. you know? So a dedicated fan base like ARMS might be a good target audience for something like this. Yeah, well, and, and Dark Horse is the right, like, size and right kind of publisher for that, too, um, that they do so much, like, licensed stuff. Um, you know, they're... They they used to have Star Wars and you know have since you know they run like Buffy the Vampire Slayer comics and you know any they they've kind of got um one of the markets cornered on like the um you have an appetite for this thing but there aren't stories being told about it in other mediums here it is um so yeah I think that's a good that's a good home for it I don't know that I have any interest in it at all do you no there we go Overcooked received a second performance patch this week which appears to have a dressed like the remaining frame rate issues and Japanese language option is now available. Great. I was playing a little bit of Overwatch this weekend and it was uh tighter. It I couldn't see the kind of like frame rate drops I was getting before. I'm always looking forward to an opportunity to jump back into Overcooked. It's a game that I enjoy, but it is a game that I have found, you know, you really have to uh be playing with the right people. Yeah. Because it's it can be a frustrating game and uh, you know, I was trying to introduce somebody to it a couple of weekends ago, and it, it's kind of, I don't know, opaque a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it either grabs you immediately, and you're willing to go along with its, like, learning curves and kind of strange controls, or it, you're not. Right. I mean, you also have to, like, buy into the idea that you're just going to yell at your friends for a while, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I don't know if there's any way to play uh, Overcooked without, like, shouting at people in my in my experience so like that is an ask right where it's like okay now be rude to your friend a little bit um yeah uh sarah keeps wanting us to like go in and like get the last like couple little things that we still need to do um but it's all like down to the hard stuff now so like i know anything that we jump into is going to be frustrating and like we're gonna fight a little bit it reminds me of like a more contentious snipper clips yeah because the same person i was playing or i was trying to introduce overcooked to we ended up playing snipper clips and we had way more fun because it still has that like little bit of i don't know my experience has been a little bit of contention Mm -hmm. right when you're arguing over the best strategies but it is there's no none of that like time pressure yeah and so it yeah there's no like release the tension yeah you can quit but like that that's it a Mutant Muds collection is on its way to the Switch eShop. The collection includes Mutant Muds Deluxe, Mutant Muds Super Challenge, and the all-new Mud Blocks, which is a falling block puzzle game. Uh, this is coming from A-Tools. A-Tui. A-Tui, mm-hmm. which uh, was the developer of the 3DS title Chicken Wiggle, which bombed on that platform. On, on the 3DS, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Um, yeah, so it's good to see him putting more out um, on Nintendo platforms, even though it seems like that Chicken Wiggle thing didn't really uh, pan out super well for them. Um, but yeah, the, the Mutant Mud games are fun. I've only played the uh, like demos of, of those first two. Um, and it uh, loves me a fallen, fallen block puzzle game. Hopefully they'll see a lot more success on the Switch, which seems likely, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Lots of indie games are blowing up on Switch right now. Yep, there's an audience there, there. Uh, game Rant has a fun interview with Metroid Samus Returns direct uh, producer Yoshio Sakamoto about the current state of the series and what the future may hold. Among other things, he explained why Samus Returns is a 3DS game and not a Switch game. Which is, I, I think, one of the more common criticisms leveled against it is, why am I not playing this on my Switch? And he says, One of the themes we chose to stick with this time was utilizing both 3D visuals and a dual screen setup. In fact, I'd been interested in creating a Metroid title that allowed you to, allowed you to display the map constantly on a second screen and interact with the elements of the UI by touching them since the time of the original DS. Shout out to Metroid Dread, RIP. Mm. Uh, the 3DS made the 3D visuals possible, of course, and the more powerful hardware allows for a higher fidelity experience. Both are reasons we felt this was the right choice. So it seems like they he had a dual-screen Metroid game in him, and this was the last opportunity he was going to get to do it. So... There you go. The game's on 3DS and not on Switch. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think that's unreasonable. Yeah. <laughs> no, neither do I. Uh, according to Unity, Unity, which is uh, a engine, it's, right? Yeah, it's a game development, game um, development um, engine. engine yeah. Over 30% of Switch games are being developed using the engine. In a statement, Japanese regional head Hiroki Oame said that Unity has been working closely with Nintendo to optimize the system for the perform for performance, which should help games that have seen some delays over the last year, like Ukulele and Battle Chasers Night War, come to the engine with updated with uh like updated versions of the engine. Uh yeah, well that's it's kind of cool to know that like the tool set that is being used by uh, so many developers, especially indie developers, is working closely with Nintendo to make sure that they're thing is gonna work on nintendo's thing yeah ukulele was one of the first indie games announced for the switch yeah and in that first indie showcase with pocket rumble which we also still haven't seen or heard anything about i feel like for a long time yeah it's been a bit it'll kind of be a bummer for ukulele if they come late to this indie gold rush party and by the time ukulele actually gets out you know people have moved on to other stuff yeah i think a lot of people took the like ukulele that looks like it's home on a nintendo platform i will wait um approach which is what i took uh you know i thought about buying it on uh playstation but i don't know i'll wait well especially because uh the upcoming switch version will have all of the you know like performance fixes yeah and game gameplay improvements that have been made to ukulele since then uh, finally, Super Mario Sunshine for the GameCube turns 15 years old this year. Wow. It was released, released in, I think, August of 2002 in the West. And, you know, it's a uh, interesting game in the Mario canon. Faint praise. Uh, I, well, so I remember really liking it when I played it when I was younger. Um, but I think a lot of that is that I had just more time to deal with the, like, finicky and yeah sure uh, controls and like frustrations that come with that game 
because there are a lot of frustrations. I don't, I think it would be hard to just re-release it as is because 3D platforming in 2002 was not a beautiful place to be. Yeah, but I mean, it was still like a Mario game. Right? Yeah, yeah, yes. It was also developed in like 18 months and it is, mm. it's not very polished compared to other Mario games. Um, But part of the reason that I think this is interesting is because we're, of course, on Thursday going to be doing a whole episode on uh, taking elements we like from Mario games and Frankensteining them into a, I don't know, ideal Mario game. Uh, just just a, a theoretical Mario game. A theoretical game. Mario a, a game. theoretical Frankenstein's monster <laughs> Mario game, yes. Uh, but Super Mario Sunshine, um, in a recent interview in the UK's Retro Gamer magazine, uh, they sat down and t- talked about the game with director uh, Yoshiaka Koizumi. And he talked about some of the early plans for the game, saying, quote, when we were making prototypes, we were exploring the idea of a disaster recovery mission-style game. We experimented with a lot of different things before we switched over to making it a platform action game. It was a challenge coming up with ways to include new elements, like having people, like having people, without it seeming odd. In an early prototype, the player wasn't searching for shine sprites, and instead the story was set on an island that was slowly being polluted by enemies. The idea was that you'd wash the pollution away with flood and also use it to defeat the boss enemy, the source of the pollution. That's kind of cool. Um, and then, you know, they had to, like, marry the, like, kind of traditional Mario collecting elements in there. Um, it, it's weird to hear a uh, disaster recovery mission style game when talking about a Mario game, right? <laughs> like, Mario missions seems so weird. Yeah, or like Mario as a uh like one of those people that when your basement floods they come and rip out your drywall yeah sure mario is fema (laughs) um i always like the idea that uh the split that splatoon is sort of like the anti-flood that like if you had mario with flood against like some inklings that they're like doing opposite things the inklings would be inking stuff and mario would be trying to wash it off i wonder if there's any crossover between the development teams of Super Mario Sunshine and Splatoon. That's a great question, Mark. We will never know the answer. Let's move out of the news. <laughs> and that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. It was our anniversary last week. And if you didn't get us an anniversary present, <laughs> this is a good way to do that. Rate, review the show subscribe and thank you so much to everybody who already has of course we really appreciate it and we appreciate just the the listens it's been fun um to have people uh reaching out to us uh which you can do on twitter at nin cart society or on facebook at nintendo cartridge society or the email address which is nintendo cartridge society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com if you like mark and mind's opinions we also write about comic books on retconpunch.com. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our music is provided by Ape Betty, which you can check out on apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller trying to figure out the difference between a wolfman and a werewolf. And saying thanks for listening.
What's a creative podcast network?